Well, good morning, Gospel Community Church. It is great to be here with you this morning, and it is an awesome privilege to sing praises to the Lord. Amen? Uh, when we do that, we're actually doing the very thing we were created to do, which is to bless the Lord, which is to worship the Lord. Right? It's pretty phenomenal when we get to do those things. And uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 134. And another cool thing is that's what we get to talk about this morning. You were created to worship, and the object of your worship will either bless you or destroy you. It's a humbling thought when you think about that. And, and, uh, and since I was the counseling care pastor, I'm willing to just dive right in and go right after the heart, right? So we're going to be talking about some serious things. We're going to be talking about your heart, your heart of worship and what it worships, and how we can either bless the Lord or try to bless ourselves in the process sometimes, right? But we get to walk through passages that help us inform our own living, our own standards for how we bless and honor the Lord. The question I have for you this morning, though, is um, it's not what you worship, but who you worship. Because you are worshiping, you were created to worship, and so everything you do is about worship. But what are you worshiping? There's a story of, um, I used to coach baseball for my son's Little League baseball team. Interestingly enough, right, there was a, a couple of parents on the other side of, of the team, because they were never on our side, right? There was a couple of parents on the other side of the field that um, I like to call the spicy parents. They were a little bit spicy in their language. They were a little, a little bit spicy in the way that they communicated to the umpire. You guys know these parents? They would communicate their unsatisfactory decision-making ability upon the umpire who obviously was calling wrong calls. They wanted the umpire to know it. They wanted the outfielders to know it, for crying out loud. They wanted everybody to know how unsatisfied they were with these calls. In fact, they were so good at being involved and engaged in the game, the parents on their side were like, cut it out. Like, you got to stop. And they were primarily saying that because the language they were using was vulgar. And it's just not helpful to the game. So their involvement in the game was demonstrating their heart for something. What were they demonstrating a heart for? The love of baseball? They're, at some level, their love of self and their, their control. So they were worshiping something in those moments. They were worshiping something. They wanted something that they were externally communicating. In fact, they were raising their hands and throwing them up and saying, what the heck, uh, you know, to the umpire. Right? And, and sometimes I'm a competitive guy. So I understand there is a nature at which we can be competitive and we can go, you know, hey, Blue, like, what's going on? I mean, there's some level, at, uh, there's some communication that can happen, right? And as we express our competitiveness. But the level at these, that these guys were going through was crazy. They were so willing to communicate what they were seeing, what they were learning, and their heart of worship in that moment that they didn't care who they were offending, what they were saying. And they didn't know that it was actually revealing their own hearts through that process. 
right? And so these spices, I like to call them again, were asked to chill because of the language. And, uh, and, and we know that their hearts were being revealed and their heart wasn't to, to worship the Lord, obviously. But this scene is all too often reoccurring in public. This scene is all too often occurring in our own homes. Get personal for a second. This scene is all too often occurring on the freeways, in our offices, in our conversations, in the way that we communicate to people. Right? It's occurring all too often. And we have to be able to trust the Lord in the process. Let me say it again. You were created to worship. You were created to do that. The object of your worship will either bless you or destroy you. Psalm 134, let's read it together. Verse 1 says this, Come, bless the Lord. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Since you guys are all concluding a series in Psalms known as the, the Psalm of Ascent, right? You guys have gotten some information on that, and there's a lot of information that's really cool to understand the Psalm of Ascent, and we'll talk about a little bit of that uh, this morning, but this is the last Song of Ascent. There's 15 total. Interesting saying that this is the last one, because the journey for our talk this morning, the journey for our sermon this morning begins where the pilgrim's journey ended, right? So they were singing these songs on their way up to Jerusalem. They were singing these songs actually on the south side of the temple. There's steps that lead up to the temple. There's about 15 steps that lead up. Even part of that journey was to read each psalm on one of those steps as you ascended to the temple, which was pretty cool. Uh, uh, Barbara, my wife, and I got to spend some time in Israel. We got to read the Psalm of Ascent up those steps as we ascended to the temple wall. It's, it's pretty amazing whenever you're able to do that. And so this journey this morning, though, these guys, right, in, in historical time, were going through the Psalm of Ascent as they were journeying up to Jerusalem. And this is the last of those Psalms. It's sort of like, how many of you guys have taken a long car ride 16 hours, 15 hours, and you get to the end of it, and you're like, we're there, right? At some level, this is like, we're there, like, because when people traveled in Israel, um, they didn't travel by car, <laughs> like, it's pretty, it's pretty nice to drive from here to Florida by car, right? But go from here to, uh, pick a close town, Indianapolis, go from here to Indianapolis by foot. And um, the last day that you're traveling by foot, when you get to that front doorstep of where you're going, guess what you're thinking? <gasps> We're here, right? So this is, what, this is what, the, what was happening in the minds of these people reading the Psalms of Ascent. They're ascending to Jerusalem. They're finally here, right? And this act, their pilgrimage, by the way, was an act of worship just to travel that distance, it's pretty amazing when you think about it because we're, we're talking about blessing the Lord. Let's look at the verse, verse 1. 
Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So first and foremost, you saints, applied to us, right? You saints, bless the Lord with your worship of him. What we did this morning in singing worship was a blessing to the Lord. I mean, that was just smoke rising to the nostrils of the Lord. Like that was honoring him. That was blessing him. This is a call, this passage right here, this bless the Lord is also a call to worship, much like our worship leader did this morning. So when, when we say, all right, we're here, all right, stand and what? Sing, stand and bless the Lord, stand and praise the Lord with me, stand and use your voices to what? Bless the Lord. It's an amazing thing. Wouldn't it be awesome if we woke up every morning with that same mentality, like, it's my call to worship today. I get to bless the Lord. I get to turn to the Lord, and no matter where I work, no matter what I do, like it's my opportunity to bless the Lord. So it is a call to worship. This call is also concluding in this song of a sense, meaning that this is the end of the journey. And the call most definitely meant praise the Lord for the safety bringing us this far, right? And those of us who have taken long drives with kids were like, also praise the Lord, my kids made the trip because I thought I was going to leave them <laughs> several gas stations back. Like I wanted to leave my children, but my wife wouldn't let me. You know what I mean? Like at some level, it's like, praise the Lord, we're all, we all made it together. You know, there's part of that that's probably in there too because, I mean, they thought the same things in traveling. We think in traveling, they just did it with different means, right? But this is a call to worship. And these are the final steps in the journey. Come bless the Lord, all you servants. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. That should be our call to worship as well. The call for servants, by the way, and, and the guardians of the house of the Lord, uh, this is most likely referring to the priests of Aaron, who were sort of the pastors of, of the time, and, and, um, and the guardians who kind of performed what was happening, the Levites, who kind of served as the deacons of the church during that time. So these guys were the, the pastors and sort of the gatekeepers, uh, known as the Levites. In this capacity, the Levites were the musicians, the gatekeepers, the guardians, the temple officials, the judges, and the craftsmen. First Chronicles 9, verse 33 says this, Now these singers, the heads of fathers... Houses of the Levites were in the chambers of the temple, free from other service, for they were on duty day and night. So when we're talking about this verse, bless the Lord day and night, this is who he's talking to. These are the guys that would bless the Lord in their service during the evening. When the guardians would stand by night, this is referring to the Levites and their leader of the group who would also um, at around midnight, would take two, divide the group into two. One would go towards the west, one would go towards the east, and they would make sure everything was set up for the next morning, for the next morning of worship, for the next morning that worship and blessing of the Lord was going to happen in that place. Much like what happened here this week, last night, and this morning. These guys who, who are, as Aaron uh, pointed out, are in need of others to help serve, right? These guys took care of that so that we could be here, hear the word of God, and bless the Lord this morning.
But the inner court, this was patrolled by, and divided into two companies, each with a burning torch, right? One would company turn to the west, one company would turn toward the east, and they would surround draw, so that way there, uh, the service, the building, the facility was ready for the service drawing near the next day. This is uh, to all, but to even the pastors and deacons, bless the Lord, bless the Lord in our worship of him. Right? And this was a call, and it's a reminder. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm wondering, how do I bless the Lord? Anybody else? Couple of us, okay, that's great. There's two of us, three. There's three, I'm so thankful. Nobody else is wondering. We'll get to you in a minute, okay? Just kidding. Uh, but look, look, when we talk about blessing the Lord, um, think about it this way, actually. When you're in somebody else's home, and you come into their home, and they're having trouble, what is your first reaction to the difficulty they're experiencing? You want to bless them, right? You want to figure out how you can help them. You want to provide for them. You want to minister to them. You want to meet whatever need that they have that's going on. And when we're in the house of the Lord, we want to be able to meet those needs that the Lord has or that the Lord desires for that house as well. Think about it this way. Even greater than that, like you realize you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you, and that is the temple of God. Everywhere you go is the temple of the Lord. He is in you. He dwells in you. And, and at some level, we are a host for the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. We are a host for God everywhere that we go. And so because of that, ought we not desire to bless the Lord in everything we do and everywhere we go? It's not easy all the time, though, because our flesh gets in the way, right? Or is it just me? No? Okay, there's one other guy. We're participating. I, I like to, inter okay, two. I like to interact a little bit with you guys, so you're going to have to help me out, right? Otherwise, I'm going to start calling names or pulling people on the platform, right? We don't want to do that. You guys, now you'll start answering. I get it. It's like when somebody's teaching up front, when they ask for responses, everybody's head look down, right? We want to bless the Lord in everything that we're doing. We bless the Lord by seeking to honor and love him over ourselves, Right? In our comforts, we seek to honor the Lord over our comfort. In our desires, we seek to honor the Lord over our desires. Even if those desires are right, we want to seek to honor the Lord in it. Spencer, Spencer Jones, in a commentary on the psalm, says this, We bless God as we offer him our lowly but sincere adoration, as we ascribe to him all power, wisdom, faithfulness, holiness, mercy, patience, as we present to him the tribute of our praise for all his past kindness to us and especially to his grace to us in Christ Jesus, as we thank him for all he has promised to us in the near and in the further future. We bless the Lord for all of those things that he's done. We, when we prioritize God in our everyday lives, we bless the Lord. When we wake up singing praises to God, we bless the Lord. It's not hard to do. Like, it's not physically hard to do, but it is hard because our pride gets in the way, our selfishness gets in the way, our flesh gets in the way. And that's the very thing that prevents us from blessing the Lord more often. And so we have to be willing to kill it. Right? Before it destroys us. 
We bless the Lord by trading in our affections for the things of this world, for the things of heaven. We bless the Lord by doing that. C.T. Studd said it this way, only one life will soon pass. You guys have heard this before, right? Only what's done for Christ will what? Will last. When you're doing things that have eternal value, you bless the Lord. I was actually confronted uh, with my own sin this week. I was sitting at our um, island in the kitchen talking to um, my wife, and I was just overcome and overwhelmed with the fact that I was putting a lot of hope and desires into uh, finances or into the physical things or to the things that I want or the things, like it was just, as I was thinking about that and I was trusting in those things, I was trusting in my own provision for those things and thinking, I got a job, I made the money, I did these things, and all of a sudden I'm trusting in those things in a way that's unhelpful and unhealthy. And when I trusted in myself, was that a blessing to the Lord? No. At some level, it's almost like, I, I almost feel as if, as if the Father is like, oh, Nathan, that's, that's, just not, that's just not the way I want for you. Not in a like, dang it, you didn't get it right kind of way, but more in a sympathetic, like, Nathan, that's, that's just not, it's not great for you. It's not, I mean, it's not going to be helpful to you, right? And so even in those moments, like the Lord, when we bless him, it, it actually helps our own hearts in the process. And I, I realized that it became a disappointment even to myself. And it's hard. When we disappoint the Lord, it's hard not to be disappointed because we care about him. And then even in that moment, like, right, those, those things just kind of snowball in your thinking because then I'm like, oh, now I'm disappointed about me and I'm like I'm confronting my own heart about the wickedness I have related to possessions and then I'm a disappointment to me and then I'm like, Lord, why am I making this about me? Because as soon as I turned internal, and I stopped praising the Lord externally, that's where my biggest mistake fell. And once I realized I need, to, I need to make this external and praise the Lord for what he has given, praise the Lord for everything he has already sustained me with. And this other stuff is just a distraction away from me being able to praise the Lord. And, and certainly the enemy wants me to be distracted, right? I, mean, I have a feeling that a lot of us had a very similar experience this week. Or you're, or you're about ready to step into it. Okay, I'm giving you the warning now. Like, either you had or you're coming into something like that here pretty quick, okay? But we want to make sure we're, we're taking the opportunity. Instead of turning internal, we turn it external and raise our hands and praise to the Lord. Right? We praise God in our everyday lives. We bless the Lord by caring and sacrificing. Um, all of these things right? The things that are in God's heart. We want to take care of the things that are in God's heart. So what are the, the top two things that we, that we understand on God's heart? Orphans and widows. Those are huge on God's heart. James 1.27 talks about the, the ministry to orphans and widows and how important that is. By offering to him is not the same as it was in the Old Testament, right? It's not the same as it was in the Old Testament sacrifice, 
uh, we choose to give up what we think is most necessary for us or what's going to, to help us, right? Very similar to the Old Testament sacrifice. We want to demonstrate our faith in his provision because this Old Testament sacrifices were giving your very best to the Lord. You're sinless. You're spotless. You're is giving your very best. What you, could, what you could sell in the marketplace for and get the best price for it, that's what was being asked to sacrifice to the Lord. Because in doing that, you had to demonstrate an amount of faith that God would continue to provide. And when he did, because he does, it gives you the opportunity to what? Bless the Lord. That's what he wants from us. Two weeks ago, when Aaron was actually preaching, he mentioned um, two missionaries, George Mueller and Hudson Taylor. You guys remember that? This is a test, Aaron. I'm making sure they got it. Okay? <laughs> uh, he mentioned two missionaries, George Mueller and Hudson Taylor. Um, and George Mueller had an enormous ministry to orphans. In that ministry, he struggled for his finances. Hudson Taylor had an enormous ministry to China Inland Mission, which was primarily a medical missions, right? He, Hudson Taylor had enormous need and needs for funding and resources to be provided. Did you all know that Hudson Taylor, despite his enormous need to support that ministry, gave money faithfully, monthly, to George Mueller? It's amazing to think about the sacrifice he had despite the great need that was there. And when he did it, he had an opportunity to trust the Lord and praise the Lord as a result of what he was doing. It's just, it's phenomenal when you think about that. The Lord is blessed by our sacrifice to him. So our, our every waking moment, because we are created to worship the Lord, ought to be at some level blessing the Lord. That doesn't mean we go through our day without thinking through strategically things in work and de depending on what our jobs are and what our vocation is right there are things that we can do as an act of worship even in a secular institution right it's pretty amazing the opportunities we get and by the way i, I like aaron didn't say it this morning but i i'm no longer on staff at a church I got to actually join an organization here in Elkhart where I get to serve as a chaplain in a secular institution. That's pretty phenomenal. And the opportunities we get every single day in the, in the marketplace. Billy Graham actually said, by the way, this is an interesting side note. Billy Graham said before he passed away that he believes the next revival in this country will take place in the marketplace, not the church. So those of you in the marketplace, you have such an opportunity to bless the Lord, right? Uh, verse 2, let's look at verse 2. Um, so we are called to lift your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. So you saints, raise your hands and worship to the Lord, right? In, in, in our worship, we raise our hands in our our, our our hope of who God is and our demonstration, we raise our hands, this is a physical representation of a spiritual condition, right? It's a physical representation of a spiritual condition. When we raise our hands to the Lord, we're signifying something to him. We're signifying surrender. We're signifying release of control. We're signifying, I need you. 
It's a surrender, open-handed life, which is for the creator, not the creation, right? Okay, I'm gonna try something a little bit weird with you guys this morning, is that okay? You guys are agreeing to it before you know what it is? This is amazing. (laughs) So I want you guys to think back um, of, of things that you've been praying for this week. Some, just choose one of those things that's really serious and really on your heart. Okay, I want you to think about what that is. Unless you think I'm going to ask you to stand up and say it, I'm not. <laughs> so all the introverts, you can go, oh, okay, I'm thankful, right? So think about what that is, and I want to spend the next 30 seconds just praying for that thing. I want you to pray right where you're at and just intercede and ask the Lord. And that could be everything from a work situation to a relationship situation at home, to kids situation, to, it could be a number of things, right? I just want you to take about 30 seconds and, and pray for that right now. Also be for somebody else's salvation. It could be for wisdom and leadership. For some, it could be courage to step into a new school year. Decisions. Keep your eyes closed. Now I want you to open your hands and raise them to the Lord. While you're sitting there, just open your hands. Raise them to the Lord in an act of surrender and submission. We'll spend about another 30 seconds and pray for the exact same thing. to raise them high if that's what the Lord would have you do ask the Lord to take control away from you of your elusive control ask the Lord to help you in your unbelief in these moments trust and faith. Lord, we do thank you for these things. And we do thank you for um, the hearts that are praying and asking you to help solve the things that are on your heart. God, we pray that you would just be with each one of these as individual prayers went to you this morning. Lord, I believe that blesses your heart, that blesses your and that you're satisfied with that worship to you. Would you honor those, pray- those prayers this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. 
raising your hands in that moment, there's just a difference that happens in our own hearts in the way that we worship God, in the way that we bless the Lord, in the way that it, it doesn't change how God hears us, but it does change our disposition towards him, right? It's an act of submission. Raising your hands is a sign of submission to the Lord. Open hands facing outward with nothing hidden. Hands raised making you defenseless with an inviting posture to the Lord of seeking him, saying, here I am, Lord. Like, I can't defend myself when my hands are way out here like this. I can only be vulnerable to the Lord. And that's what he wants. That's what blesses him when we admit those vulnerabilities to him. Raising your hands is an act of humility. Some of you thought, yeah, by you asking me to do that, like it was, it was humbling just to even walk through that, right? Not, we don't often do that in our own private worship, in our own private prayers to the Lord. But we can and we should. And I think that is another sign, another act of our own being, of our own volition, of our own will that blesses the Lord. Raising your hand to the Lord breaks down your pride. Breaks, down, breaks it down in a way that just helps us get past and helps us experience more faith and more trust in the Lord. You know, it's interesting. We actually raise our hands for people all the time. We raise our hands for other humans all the time, right? So how many of you, when you see a friend that you haven't seen for a long time, what's your, what's your and they're across the room and they walk in or, or maybe it's at a football game and you see them and what's your natural response? You're like, oh my goodness, like I'm so excited to see you. So when I'm excited, I do this, right? How many of you, when you're excited, you're like, goodness, you know, you're like, you, you come in tight and you're like, hi, you know? It's like so awkward, right? When you get excited, you're like, you're way out here, right? And you're like, yes! Right? So we do that for people all the time. So we should think about how we are surrendering those times to the Lord as well. Right? So it's funny. Um, this even happens with our kids. And, and, and this, is a, this is a human condition that is easy to understand. Because when we've done something wrong, like what, what's our natural reaction? Like, we cower. We want to kind of shy away, right? And instead of doing this, like, our, our kids are the same way. Actually, our dog. Can I tell you a story about our dog? This is funny. Um, our, we have a, a Labradoodle, a black Labradoodle, which means, like, his color is black, so his teeth are really white. So when we come home, typically, his disposition, he's excited to see us. So what is he doing? Wagging his tail, and believe it or not, he's smiling. It's the funniest thing we've ever seen in our lives. Like, he's wagging his tail, and all you see is these teeth. And if you didn't know, you'd think he's growling or mad, or, but he's just happy. He's, like, excited to see. And it's, it's the funniest thing. And when that doesn't happen, guess what we know? Exactly. We're like, he's busted. Like, what'd you get into, you know? And so when he doesn't greet us at the door smiling like that, we're like, oh, yeah, he did something wrong. Right? And we go, go looking around the house, and usually we find trash somewhere in the house, right? And it's not like a horrible thing, but there's enough of it there where he's like, you know? It's a human condition. You know the first time that ever happened? Can you recall it? It's in the garden. It's in the garden, of, it's in the garden when, 
when God approaches Adam and Eve. They were trying to hide. In Genesis 3, 9, it says this, um, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Do you think that's because God didn't know where Adam was? No, it's like playing hide-and-seek with your three-year-old. Right? Like, they, what do they do? They're like, they're going to go hide under the blanket that's like six feet from you. And then what do you do as a parent? Susie, where are you? You know, and you're like, you know exactly where she's at. But we do that. We try to hide instead of embracing the Lord. So we know when we're afraid to open our hands to God and embrace him and step out and say, Lord, here I am. It's because our condition with him, there's something wrong with what our worship of him is in those moments. We're hiding from something. We're afraid to be vulnerable towards something. And it's like, a, it's like playing hide-and-seek with a three-year-old. You know where they're at. God knows the condition of your heart. God knows what it is. Just be vulnerable. Raise your hands to him and say, here I am, Lord. I need you more than now, more now than ever before. You can do that. You can do that every single day when you wake up, right? So raise your hands to the Lord is, is just demonstrating, you know, who you are in the condition of your heart. And then finally, verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. May the Lord bless you. So you saints receive a blessing from the Lord. It's not all that different than what we read in uh, James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. The blessing is drawing near. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Right? It's when Adam was trying to hide in the garden, playing hide and seek with God, which never works. Right? When he's trying to do that, he was withdrawing from the Lord and created separation between the relationship. But it wasn't God creating the separation, it was Adam. When, we, when there's separation in our relationship with the Lord, it's not because of God pulling away from us. It's because of what? Us pulling away from God. So draw near to him, and he will bless you. Right? Um, to receive a, a blessing from the Lord, you must bless the Lord. And, and by surrendering in humility through worship, you bless the Lord. And that draws you closer to him. The blessing we receive is not what we think, though. It's not physical. It's not financial. Right? So often we get caught up in thinking that the blessing we receive is what we want, not what God wants to give us. And when we stop and look for what God wants to give us, then we start realizing the blessings that he's given us are already present. And it's pretty amazing. Like when you're a child, you want to do what's pleasing to your father or what's pleasing to your mother or what's pleasing to somebody. And we want to see the smile on their face. And so we want to work for their approval. The, the amazing thing about God, though, is that you, don't, you can't actually do anything more on this planet to please God than he is right now eternally pleased with you. We can bless him. We can have acts of worship towards him. But he is eternally as pleased with you as he will ever be. So you don't have to do anything to work for that. That's already there. But we can bless him and honor him because 
of his love for us. Right, Colossians 1, or Colossians 3, verses 1 through 5 say this, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That's, I mean, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. He blesses us and he lifts on us the light of his reconciled countenance and enlightens our understanding. He blesses us when we read his word because we comprehend it better. Right? We know, how many of us, when we go week or weeks, sometimes months, without spending time in God's word, we notice a difference in our own in our own spirit, in our own, the way that we answer people, the way that we respond to our spouse, or the way we respond to situations at work. Do you notice it? Is it good or bad? <laughs> it's bad. Like, we, we, it's, we're not going to keep getting better if we're not spending time in God's word, blessing him, seeking him, worshiping him, honoring him. And it's not because he needs it from us. It's because we need it. Our own hearts need it. It's actually pretty easy to drift away from the Lord. No one ever drifts on purpose, by the way. They drift without purpose, right? So it's easy to drift away from the Lord. And no matter if we drift, it's a ma- no, matter, um, no matter when we drift, because we will drift at some point, because we're not perfect, we're not sinless. It's, it's a matter of how quick we come back from that drift that helps understand our spiritual condition and our relationship with the Lord. So the way back is through worship, by the way. It's everything that we've been talking about. Bless the Lord, worship the Lord, raise your hands to the Lord, surrender to the Lord. That's the way back. It reminds me of a song by Matt Redman. Now you guys know this song, Back to the Heart of Worship. This was a song written by Matt Redman uh, when he was at a very low place because of all the lights, all all the glamour, all the smoke, all the the tours, all the stuff that was happening, like it just gets in the way, it got in the way of his own worship, right? And so instead of being able to worship properly, he was focused on things that he didn't need to focus on, and he was focused on the distractions rather than the praise and worship, right? And so, um, and so he, he wrote a song called Back to the Heart of Worship, and one of the lines in the song says this, when all else fades away, and the music fades, when everything else goes away, we will simply come to God. And that's when, it's just amazing when everything gets back to the simplistic understanding of, of worship. You can do it by yourself, in a closet. It doesn't have to be with other people. It doesn't have to be in front of people. Thoughts about God on how big he is, how majestic he is, how awesome he is, and how tiny we are in that process help us understand how amazing God is and how small we are. And all of a sudden, we're blessing the Lord again. When we bless the Lord, raise our hands to him, and come to him fully surrendered, and that's when our hearts get right as well. 
Phil Wickham also wrote a song, The Battle Belongs to You. Do you guys know this song? He says this in this song, two, two verses in this song. When all I see is the battle, you see the victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. So when you fight, it's not fighting with fists and physical nature. It's fighting in the spiritual realm. And the only way to do that is on your knees in prayer with your hands lifted high. We, that's where we fight. That's where the battles are won. And we get the opportunity to do that on a regular basis. So you were created to worship. And the object of your worship will either bless you or destroy you. Let the object of your worship bless you because of your worship of him, of because of who he is. And let that blessing fill your heart and spread to other people in a way that's helpful for them understanding the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's worship.